and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. I'm Jake. And I'm CJ. And I'm CJ. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I think you and I both hit our, our uh, mic stands as we introduced ourselves. Did we? Yeah. I mean, oh, this well. is a professional podcast <laughs> here. We look Super forward to the boinks as listeners. See? As Jake's getting really animated. Doing it just on purpose right now. Kang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really animated about this. Um, what were you going to say? It's just it's that resonance. I was gonna I was just gonna comment. I feel like I had to come on and defend myself after For what? Uh, some of the recent conversation about my <laughs> vocal were, delivery. Um, there were attacks made. But I will say Shots <laughs> even listening back, I find that my own inflection and, and tone mm-hmm. feels more subdued than I feel like it is during the actual episode recording. So today I'm committed to like bringing it. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm gonna try and, and keep it up and yeah. Uh, be confident. It's something I'm working on throughout many areas of my life, but to be confident in my delivery. Oh, yeah. See, what what I did, that whole thing is really just a tactic of persuasion to persuade you and change your behavior to come in ready to go. This That's is what Jeff was. does to everybody at all times. <laughs> <laughs> this is the big brother strategy. It is the big brother strategy. <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm taking a persuasion for professionals now and I'll always like have my reading out on my desk when I'm at work. And then when I get a minute, I'll like read through some stuff. And this driver, every time he knows that I'm taking that course and he's like, are you using that persuasion crap on me right now? And I'm like, no, man. I mean, if you, you got to do what you got to do, man. And he's like, Fine, I'll do it. And I'm like, yeah, I got you. It's just Big Brother training. Mm. Speaking of Big Brother, I know nobody cares. but I f- So it's all-star season this year, so they brought back a bunch of people. And I found out that all the people who had been on that are now back as all-stars, a group of them had got together and like planned before they went in. Oh, that's lame. It's super lame. So it's like a, ske- it's like a scripted show now. That's mm. bad. Yeah. Bum me out. I'm yeah. still watching it. I still get excited. Talk but. about a scripted show. Mm-hmm. The Bachelorette. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with that. No, track. nobody watches that. <laughs> Just like nobody watches Big Brother. People watch the bat. Dude, the Bachelorette thing is yeah, big. Yeah, I know. It's Why gonna, are you it's gonna, watching it? It's going to carry Caitlin Bristow to a win in Dancing with the Stars. I mean, she is talented, but I don't know. Tell me about the Bachelorette. Dude, it's bad, man. Like, like bad how? These the people the people that they've chosen mm-hmm. the guys are just gross. I don't know. They're so like douchey, gross. Douchey, gr- bro. Douchey uh, okay, and okay. really pandering, like super pan, like just incredibly pandering. But this one, apparently, the girl that they picked mm-hmm. ends up just saying, "Hey, I'm choosing this guy," and then they, she leaves after like two weeks. So then they had to bring in different bachelorette. Are in. you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. So this one might actually be. It's That's re- kind of amazing. It's really bad to watch, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's such a train wreck. You can't turn your eyes away. Dude, that's like CBS does like a Love Island thing. Mm. I couldn't watch that, dude. There's no way. <laughs> okay, so two things. One, um, <clears throat> the pandemic show that my wife and I have come back to because uh-huh. there's been nothing on right. is 30 Rock. So when you say okay. Love Island, all I can think about is they had a fake reality show on there called MILF Island. Oh, <laughs> like, God. <laughs> like 20 high school boys <gasps> and like 10 MILFs. That is terrible. It's so hilarious. I've never watched that show. So the other the other reality show that this goes way back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my freshman year in college was like the first season of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. And so um, I got in with 
a group of friends and we'd go over to these people's house and watch. But the wow. other show that was on during that time that I really enjoyed actually was called The Mole. Um, I think I know of this. So the premise of the show is everybody's on one team and you're trying to accomplish tasks. Yeah. And every task that the team successfully accomplishes adds money to the prize pot that they'll win at the end. Oh. But there's one person on the on among the us group yeah it's like mm. among us but with real people and <laughs> huh. instead of killing they're just trying to sabotage that's the hilarious dude but so the original mole show was okay dude i loved mole the show dude, that was good. good though was celebrity mole oh, so they had they had i'm trying to remember who all was in the season i think i know dennis rodman was one of the participants i think oh, gosh i think raven simone mm-hmm. was one of the participants but it was and it, it so it was like B-ish list celebrities. It yeah. wasn't like anybody. One of the Baldwin brothers. Um, okay. I think it might have been Stephen Baldwin. Dude, he's an Alvos. Yeah. Like, Which can... one's Stephen? Biodome? Uh, yes. I met him one time. Did you really? At Burnside Skate Park. Huh. He was filming that, like a Christian skate video. Hmm. Interesting. Know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So, no, that's... <laughs> Celebrity mole. It was... I that think, sounds like my type of show, Yeah, though. I think it would... I'm surprised it hasn't been rebooted. Yeah. it... It was really good, and I love that stuff. Especially the celebrity version, where like you had a little bit more background on the characters, so they could just really do the challenges, oh. and you you sort of got like the interactions that were happening. Is the mole the mole the entire season? Yeah. So what you oh. do is each time you're trying to vote off the mole. Oh, dude, that sounds so fun! It's like Among Us. And I love it. And yeah, and so whoever gets voted off is off, whether or not they're the mole. And I love that. That sounds so awesome. And I forget like what would happen if you picked them, like if they had all like on yeah. the first episode picked them all. I don't right. remember what happens at that point, but that sounds so awesome. They should do that show again. I would love that. Jake, play Among Us with me. Dang it, dude! I'm all about the shoot 'em ups. Have which... you even got a win yet? No. All right. I haven't played like the last few days. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah. I only want to play. Okay, so solos got really boring. Duh, it is boring. And so and I like. The last time I had a super amount of fun was mm-hmm. with you and Jesse. Mm-hmm. That was a ton of fun. We needed we were, to do we're it We're playing again. trios. I really yeah. want to do that. I wanted to do that the other night, I but know, those, guys, those guys stayed on forever. forever. And which was fine. We were having yeah. a good time. We um, need to just do trios. That's it. Yeah. Go for it. That was sound, get yeah, a dub. That sounds good. Um, Make it happen. As and then <laughs> once we get your win, you can play Among Us. Okay. Deal. <laughs> okay. The, uh, I'm try so hard to get that <laughs> win. <laughs> the the thing, I just wanted to say, like, you're, I just, I feel like you're already becoming old man dad. Oh, great. <laughs> Why? Because you sent in the gamers chat message that said, I'm just tired of the shoot 'em ups. I said that? Yes, you did. Go back and look. You said, I'm tired of the shoot 'em ups. I am you tired called of the- Call of Duty a shoot 'em up. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> it is embarrassing. Why would I you remember, call me out like I remember that? reading it and I was like, oh, I got to bring that up on the podcast. <laughs> the sh- I am tired nah, of the shoot 'em ups. Shoot 'em ups. I want to damn shoot 'em ups. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Wow, dude. I am, though. <laughs> Among Us is fun because it's like strategic and you got to work together and who done it. And Yeah, I, I, I get that. It's fun. You told me about it. And it sounds it sounds like a blast, but I got to get that Warzone dub, though. Okay. I have to get the I have to get one, man. I've if we have so that deal, I'm telling you right now, time. I will. I will. We'll get it first ring game. I will try everything I can to get you that win. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we Perfect. don't have to play it again. OK, sounds good. Um. I have I had some questions for you guys. Well, just really one question because it's something that I went through this week. Um, how do you guys feel about like? Do you guys return food if it's made wrong? 
Why are you laughing? Uh, I feel like this is like when they do those personality tests or different things like that. I yeah. think that the most like characteristically me thing mm-hmm. is I'm never going to do that. It's, I'm the same way. It's something that I, I try and figure out like, is that a, is that a character fault mm-hmm. or is that just a personality trait? Right. Um, and I think I've come a little ways down that road, but like, for example, growing up, um, bean burritos from Taco Bell, why in the world do they come with onions in them? Great question. By default. Great question. So always ask for no onions. But that if sounds the bur- terrible. If the burrito comes with onions, I'm either going to open it up and pick them out, oh, or no way. I'll go, it, but I will go still, purchase another it, one. But, but I would it, not like take it back. Oh, I'm exact. I'm the same way. Yeah, okay. I will suffer through it. And I think you and I have talked about this before, mm-hmm. Jake. Where like at a restaurant, I'll just be like. I think I said you could bring me a plate of cat poop and I'd eat it. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I guess I'm eating cat poop. But my boss is not like that. He likes Wendy's and he hates mayonnaise. Every time he goes to Wendy's, he's like, no mayonnaise. And then one day he came in, he opened his burger and looked at it and was just like, seriously, and just threw it in the trash. Does he Wendy's w- normally put mayo on their burgers? I don't know. I don't think they do. He was pissed. <laughs> they may, they may have, he may have said no mayo and then they, they just heard mayo, mayo and they added to it. So turns out he has the, the personal phone number of the manager of this particular <laughs> Wendy's. What? That means he's, he's called oh, quite yeah. a few times. Oh yeah. Because of mayonnaise. Always because of mayonnaise. Does he order chicken sandwiches or is it an I actual burger? it's just a burger. Weird. Okay. So he's like, I'm going to call the manager. I'm like, you are not going to call the manager. And he's like, I'm calling the manager. I was like, all right. So he calls, and then a few days later, he comes in, and he literally has a like a a greeting card that says, like, so sorry for the troubles, blah, blah, blah. We'll take care of it. It won't happen again. And there's a gift card in there it's for Wendy's. It's going to happen again because Wendy's just constantly messes up. Dude, it gets way better. So he drives into Wendy's, and, like, a few days later to get a burger, and he's like, hey, so no mayonnaise. And they're like, all right, cool. He gets to the window, and they're like, hey, we know about you. We promise there's like everybody in the store knows like do <laughs> yeah. not get this guy mayonnaise. The best even better is the GM's number that he had had and continuously called. She was now like a regional manager. Mm. So he's not even calling the manager of the store. He's calling the regional manager. Wow. So he's this, calling Jan Levinson. He's gone above Michael yes. Scott. <laughs> so I I don't ever do this. But the other day I ordered Subway online and I've done Ooh, I've done that that's, before. That's tough. I've done that before, and I left real quick to, from work to grab my sandwich and came back. And then when I got it, it was just the stock sandwich, without anything that I had changed on it. And I had wanted Subway so bad, I was crushed. And I ate it, but I was bummed out. But then at the bottom of the receipt was the store owner's it's email, oh. and I was like, "I'm gonna do it." So I emailed her, and I was like, "Hey." I, heads up, I don't know if it's the system or what happened, but this is what I ordered and this is what I got. And she's like, uh, I can I can send you a gift card if you like. And I was like, oh, I would like that. So she gave me ten dollars Subway. Hey, there's nice. a, there's so a, I'm complaining all the time now. I mean, you, it is a way to get free stuff, which is why people do it. I mean, I mean it's people, not free. People, I had to eat garbage. People to get have it. been conditioned. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, true. But people like. If you do that enough times, essentially, eventually you're going to get like you're going to have a net benefit out of it. For sure. Um, I, I ate the I, <laughs> so I'm the the only thing that 
because I am a very specific order. I am too. Like, I think I have when I go well, to specific, every place probably. I go, I get the same thing no matter where I go. So if I want variety, I just go to a different place. I don't go to the same place and order something different. You're just getting a different variation of what you always get at different places. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my thing at Jimmy John's is the number fourteen, which is the bootlegger club. That's turkey roast beef. I add cheese mm-hmm. and oregano, and I get no veggies. I hate their lettuce. I don't mind lettuce on any other sandwich. I go yeah. to Jersey Mike's, their lettuce is fine. Subway, their lettuce is, eh. but I don't get it. Maybe you just don't like lettuce. But if it has dude. it, I will. No, but I'll eat it on just about any, every other sandwich. I don't know what it is about Jimmy John's lettuce. Okay. It's unedible to me. I can't That's do it. That's weird. And so I asked for no lettuce. This one time I went to the Hazeldale one, and they packed that thing with lettuce and didn't add mayo. So I had this super dry sandwich oh. with this. Just packed with this Did really dry iceberg, le- like shredded iceberg lettuce. I couldn't eat it, but I wasn't going to go back in. So I just ate my chips, ate half the sandwich as much as I could, and I drove away. <laughs> like that was, No way, dude. I, I And for how much you're spending, like, okay, so yeah. chips, a medium drink, and then their normal, uh, like, like eight-inch sandwich dude. there, that's twelve fifty. Yeah. Yeah. I had an experience like that a while back. I went to McDonald's for a breakfast sandwich, and... Um, I, so I don't eat beef, mm-hmm. but they do, they started doing like a chicken biscuit breakfast sandwich. Okay. Thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, I'll get that. And so they had like buy one, get one for a dollar. So I was like, I'll get that and hash browns. Oh yeah. And so Love hash browns. I order, I get my order and I pull out the sandwich. I go to take a bite and they gave me a sausage biscuit. Oh, that's not even close. So. My dog loved that, but uh, you know I didn't go back, so I paid like six bucks for hash browns. Oh, that's brutal, man! I, I will say though, you talked about doing the mobile order for Subway. Yeah, one kind of fringe benefit to the whole pandemic and yeah. our changing approach to so many things in life is being able to put in that specific order. I feel so mm-hmm. guilty trying to tell the person at the drive-thru, now I want this and I don't want this and oh. do it this way. But if I can use the app or like Taco Bell's <laughs> added a kiosk in the lobby, and what's cool about that is it's a much broader menu because there's a button you can hit and it makes everything vegetarian. So, oh, wow. Like I eat chicken, but I don't eat beef. So I can take anything that has beef there and switch it to the vegetarian menu and you can get it with beans instead without having to ask the person at right. the counter to figure out how to sub Whoa, that out. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. I didn't know that. That's super rad. On the flip side, my mom is the most Karen of Karens. And oh. since this Karen surge and everyone's like labeled that behavior or type of personality <laughs> as a Karen, mm-hmm. me and Alex are like, I'm like, yo, my mom's a Karen. And she's like, grandma's totally a Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so she complains about it. Dude, it could be like, it could be the most amazing meal ever. And she'd be like, well, I mean, they didn't really do this right. And I'm like, why? Why? Anyways. See, I think it's all about the story that you tell because um, you could tell the story of I asked for no lettuce and mayo and they go, oh, let's stick it to this guy and let's pack this sandwich full of triple lettuce. Right. I no bet you that's what happened because there was more lettuce than I've ever seen on a Jimmy John's sandwich. <laughs> so, and I think there's times where that does happen, but there's also times where like it's truly just an honest mistake or like maybe I said sausage biscuit instead of, or I, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't use the right term and I didn't pay attention on the screen to when they said, does your order look right? Right. And I just saw the word biscuit, but, um, 
and it creates an opportunity where if if you give the organization or the company an opportunity to make it right and they mm-hmm. do it like you're talking about i got the ten dollar gift card so yeah i didn't get my sandwich that i liked yeah. but the net result is a positive affiliation right. with subway and so uh, i just kind of throw that out there we um at work we use the term sometimes of assume positive intent mm-hmm. so if a mistake happens don't assume that somebody did it because they had bad intentions yeah like, jake but the, <laughs> the flip side to that i don't i don't think they had bad intentions the just... flip side to that is there's a pushback to say if you assume positive intent every time you go to jimmy john's they could put lettuce and no mayo on your sandwich and if you just keep assuming positive intent you're enabling that bad behavior to persist for sure for mm-hmm. sure so that's funny. That's why I go back to is like, I, I don't know that it's necessarily like that, th- that one approach to that is bad or good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, are you comfortable and do you accept who you are in that situation? Right. And recognizing that at times that might mean you pay six bucks for hash browns. Right. Well, so even in, and that's so interesting what you're saying, because even the approach of me like emailing the subway owner, <laughs> You know, there are people who are like, what the F? These morons can't get it right. Screw you. I want my money back. But instead, I'm just like, look, it might be my fault. It might be the computer's fault. I don't know what happened, but I didn't get what I thought I ordered. I'm just letting you guys know. And I didn't ask for money back or anything. And I put it in their hands. And they were like, yo, do you want 10 bucks? I'm like, yes, I do. Please, thank you. Mm -hmm. So I don't get the attitude and behavior of like, you F this up. Like yeah. aggressive. People are always so mean all the yeah. time. I have a coworker who um, does outreach for our hospital. He mm-hmm. goes to like private practice doctor's offices and things like that and encourages them to send us people for lab or imaging mm-hmm. or specialty services that we offer. Um, so he does a lot of customer service kinds of things because a lot of that's dealing with software tools for how you make right. those referrals happen or calling people on the phone. And so he hears about when things are not going well. Mm-hmm. And he shared with me something that was really powerful, which is he says, you know, every feedback that you get is an opportunity to get better. Right. For sure. So whether it's positive affirmation or whether it's identifying something that's not going well, mm-hmm. the the story that he tells with that is I can take that and I can make our organization right. better. I can make my work better. Right. And I may not always be able to solve everything that this person wants or needs, but at least now I know what exists if if uh you know if i just keep taking my burrito with onions and bottle that up (laughs) nothing's gonna change right so and i can be okay with that i can accept that and say you know in the big scheme of life it's not a big deal right but if it's something that does matter to me then i owe it to myself and to whoever i'm working with on whatever that is Mm -hmm. to be transparent about that taco bell can't fix it if they don't know that they've done me wrong right thinking two things so one thing is like you know we look at professional athletes and there's always the the conversation about coachability and like can they take criticism and then grow from that i mean it's the same thing if you apply that to you yourself professionally um you know people take people don't like being criticized but if you flip it it's like okay i mean own it you know what i mean own it but another thing i was thinking about is like uh uh, during this whole like complaint thing is is people will will specify it to a certain location. So like say that you go to the, the specific Taco Bell and you can they continuously screw it up and you don't say anything. You're like, well, I'm not. I like Taco Bell. I'm just that one's terrible. That people think that way. Like mm-hmm. this one specifically is the worst Taco Bell in Vancouver or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's so funny how people just 
specify like it's this one it's yeah. that one it's this one's problematic it's like well, mm-hmm. is it yeah i don't know weird talk switching to uh <laughs> sports real quick did you guys see that pepsi center change their name no in denver mm-hmm. what do they change it to it's the ball arena it's the ball arena mm-hmm. okay why i don't never know. lost <laughs> <laughs> isn't that isn't that like those jars those ball jars bell is it bell yeah what is ball then Big baller brand? No, oh it's God. like it's, you, you know the ball. You've seen the. Triple B. It's like in cursive. I don't know what it is. Look it up, Jake. Ball center? No, ball arena. Ball arena. I like ball center better. <laughs> I bet you do. Ball arena. <laughs> ball arena, Pepsi Center. Ball area. After 21 years, Pepsi Center to be renamed Ball Arena as part of a new partnership. Yeah, who's the partnership? The Denver, the Denver, I'm looking at the Denver Post. That's actually a really gorgeous stadium. Um. All right. Beginning Thursday, the home of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche will be known as the Ball Arena as part of a multi-year global partnership between Ball Corporation and Cronky Sports and Entertainment. In addition to the local naming rights, the partnership includes a, uh, sustainable and environmentally friendly elements that will be established at Ball Arena, SoFi Stadium, Los Angeles Rams, and Emirates Stadium. It isn't London. Bell. It is Ball, you hoser. It's Ball. My bad. <laughs> The, nas- the nature of the deal across three separate venues Packaging. is unprecedented for a KSE. Denver's local arena had been Pepsi Center for the, tw- for the last 21 years, and Pepsi will remain the official beverage sponsor of Ball Arena. There um, you go. So the reason I brought this up was because I was scrolling through the interwebs reading comments about it, and mm-hmm. it's so funny because I was this person, but it's, I feel like it's different. Tell me if I'm wrong because – Rose Garden went mm-hmm. from Rose Garden to Moda Center. But there is comments and conversations of, I will never call it the Ball Center. It will always be the Pepsi Center. And I'm like, bro, you're that loyal to like the Pepsi name? It's not Pepsi, though. It's it's the history. I, I, I get it, but come on. I dislike that. I get why, why people do it. I actually literally was just thinking about this this morning. Because there was a story about the AT&T Stadium, which is where the Cowboys play. And I'm like, if Jerry Jones is so rich and wants to flex about his wealth, why is he letting his his stadium that people Mm -hmm. informally call Jerry's World, why is is he letting AT&T own that? And the reason is because he gets stacks of cash to do it. So it totally makes sense to me. And I get that that's why periodically these deals come up Mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity to renew or to get somebody else to pay you more money. But what I don't like about that is as a consumer, I, I hate not having that continuity. I get that like the right. team name is continuous and the city is continuous in most cases, but it just feels like it's one more of those things that is like part of baked into the fabric of who and what your team right. is. And so like, that's where I could, I could totally get that. And I still, I struggle with Moda Center. Oh, I don't do it. It's not as it. okay, but it's not as bad as like the Slushy King Center in, in New Orleans. What is it? Sleep Train Arena. Sleep yeah, train arena. I mean, there's some bad ones out yeah. there. We're lu- we're at least lucky to have Moda. It doesn't sound I mean it. It's better than those. I mean, Moda is shame on me for even saying this, but Moda 
is a little it's better because it doesn't you don't know what it is mm-hmm. right what is moda yeah unless you and it's it not like mean anything outside of this market right it's so. not like moda healthcare center mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. it's it's moda center well it's like when you have tnt and they're like and we're at well, here's a beautiful shot of the willamette now like a willamette, willamette river on this beautiful night in portland as the portland trailblazers take on the sacramento kings at the moda center and then like it's like that sounds kind of cool and then you then they're trying to do that same kind of like introduction uh, introduction IP. to the slushy king arena or whatever <laughs> like that sounds awful yeah it's, i think that's true i mean the ball center everyone's like oh i mean they do ball out like you know they're yeah, Oops. I mean that's kind of I don't know. Like the the one cool one though is the the uh the Seattle Kraken, the new um mm-hmm. hockey team. They're uh they're trying to name the I forget what they're trying to name it, but it's going to be really it's going to be I I sound like great an idiot. great great it, story. It's a <laughs> fantastic story. I don't know. I, hmm, hard to say. Yeah. I don't know, man. I it, saw it someone can, it can go either way. In Vancouver the other day wearing a, a fantastic take Dude, by me. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. <laughs> Kraken gear is yeah. prolific. I saw it already being worn down here. Within like five I'm days. Yeah. I, ha- I literally announced. have a computer in front of me, and I'm, I'm like sitting here like, well, it's going to be a really cool name. I can't remember the name. Kraken He's Arena. still stewing over here. <laughs> so arena names are one thing. I okay, would say okay I- never mind. It's terrible. Climate Pledge Arena. Just Climate Pledge? Climate Pledge Arena. I feel like they don't have much of a sponsor I mean, right now. That will change in the next couple that of years. That was great. At what point? Well, I think the nickname for it is going to. I think there was supposed to be a nickname for it or something like that. Like, I don't know. I'm sure there's a nickname. Yeah. Anyways, what were you saying about the gear? I was going to say, I we talk about stadium sponsorship names and whatever. I feel like the flop for the NBA has been the jersey sponsors. Yeah. I feel like all of those have been like really low rent. Like, Biofreeze was something I had never heard of until it was on the, oh, really? the Blazers oh, okay. stuff. And no offense to them, it feels yeah. like it feels like uh, like the drugstore version of Ben Gay. Okay, and, and so I like, like Biofreeze. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is yeah. not good, but and then like to me, the Lakers having Wish as their sponsor. Yeah, like when you go and look at what Wish is yeah. as a company, like what that represents and what products they're giving mm-hmm. you, it's like knockoffs right of everything uh, yeah knockoff chargers that, that maybe come yeah. 10 months after you order them yes it's like is maybe. that really and i get like the nba has this deep connection with china so there could be oh, pol- political okay. reasons why you know as an international brand right maybe that jersey sponsorship means more places other than the united states right. but i just haven't seen any that i'm really like man what a great get for isn't the Clippers that have like Bumble is yes. their is their jersey sponsor? I think so. Like, isn't Cleveland Goodyear? Yeah, and that might be one of the better See, ones. See, I think that's cool, and it fits with the city, right? And, and so, like, I would just say, like, overall, I have been underwhelmed by who and what they've been able to get. Yeah, and that's I guess weird. You I, feel like that? I feel like that could be so much. That's such a marketable yeah. place. Well, I was just thinking like the, you know, the Timbers have Alaska Airlines. Yeah, and I hate that. A lot of the <laughs> other NBA teams, like there's airlines that have named arenas. Right. So like American Airlines has the naming rights for two arenas, one in Dallas and one in Whoa, Miami. Oh, yeah. So they're cornering different parts of the market. And so it could just be that 
this is the sort of tier and level of companies that they're able to get for jersey sponsorships because those bigger brands <laughs> are already partnering at the higher levels. I'm, I just pulled up the list. The Heat is Ultimate Software. Ultimate Software Arena? No, that's the jersey. Oh. And like Nuggets are Western Union. Landing Tree is the Hornets. It looks terrible, dude. Yeah. Sun Life it's, is the hey, Raptors. It's, it's a way to gain. It's a way to gain revenue. I mean, oh, honestly, like if you're if you're um at, if you're a league like that, where are you what at this point, where do you grow league revenue? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's going to be it's advertising dollars on areas where you haven't tapped yet, and right. it's stadiums and jerseys. Well, and, so, and like you said, soccer does that. Mm-hmm. Um, football doesn't do it, but uh, Blue Diamond is Sacramento Kings. Blue Diamond, Blue Diamond Almond? Nuts. Oh, yeah. oh nuts, yeah. <laughs> Squarespace is the Knicks. Wish is the Lakers. I don't know what Rakuten is, but that's the Warriors. Oh, that's what Groupon used. Or not Groupon. Um, Ebates. Oh, uh, Rakuten? Yeah. Rakuten? Mm-hmm. You oh. register, and then you basically use like affiliate links to their site to go buy products. Oh. And then you'll... like. So when Hudson and I were going to go to the Mariners game for opening day, we purchased our tickets through StubHub yeah. and I think or I think that's what it was mm-hmm. and used a Rakuten link oh, and weird. I got like 10 or I don't remember if it was 10% a, a percentage of our ticket price back as a direct deposit into my bank account for oh, running it through that right. service so basically they're they're compiling people that get really into that are only going to use Rakuten to buy anything online so then they go to companies and brands and say we're going to deliver you business because people are going to buy your product being on here versus mm. a competitor's product that's not. That's weird. And in exchange, you give us a percent commission on that, and then we pass a small percentage of that back to the consumer. Hmm. But it's it's we're going way deep in the weeds. Yeah, we are. But I find that interesting. What I hate about the logos is, and what what it all depends on for me is just like how the logo is designed on the jersey. So it's like like Gianni doesn't even look ba- that bad on uh, the Celtics jersey because it's white. It's not like an alternative color yeah. where like uh, the Bucks is Harley Davidson. So you have this orange patch on the shoulder and it just looks so stupid. If they would design it in like a neutral way, mm-hmm. even color it green so that it looks like the Bucks colors. But the fact that it's just like this ugly, like the, the Cavs did do that with the Goodyear shoe mm-hmm. it's like it is that maroon color if it's a white jersey it's that maroon color so it blends in with the jersey mm. it's when dude the magic having disney though that's pretty fire yeah that's a good one <laughs> Go ahead. if you look at them all together there's definitely ones that are good i just yeah. think like to me again I, I i forget that the nba is a global mm-hmm. organization and so having wish on there probably pays off Right. overseas much more than it does here. So corny. What I was also going to say, the conversation you were just having is taking me a little bit too close to work. Um, uh-huh. Part of my job uh, is to be a shepherd for our brand, right. for the company I work for. And what I mean by that is people saying, oh, we want to make a shirt. We want to put the logo on it. And we want the logo to be fuchsia because it's supporting X or Y. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like this 130-page manual that basically says, Here's how our logo can be used. Right, right. Here's the colors that are yep. allowable. What is that called? It's called. We call it a brand manual. Yeah. But, I mean, you have graphic standards, essentially, yeah, and yeah. things like that. So the NBA is having to work with those right. partners to That's say. That's true. And so, like, Goodyear may have a really liberal application right. of their brand. There may be some that allow 
their logo yeah. to appear in a single solid color. There might be others that say under no circumstance can it be anything other than the black and orange Harley right. Davidson seal. And there's good reasons for that. I actually went through that this year. Um, our company sponsored the Portland Pickles, which mm-hmm. is a, a collegiate level baseball league. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were actually one of the only minor or lower level baseball leagues that operated this summer, mm-hmm. which is, so it was a huge get for us to right. have that sponsorship. And because they were working to stand that up um, and looking for key sponsorship, we were able to get a great deal on being the official sponsor for live streaming, which is how mm. most people consumed that sport. They had like right. a very limited of in-person fans. So we had a logo that appeared in the corner during all the games. Um, great example. So our logo has, we have a color version and a pure white version. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of the two choices. And without getting into too much detail, but our logo has some pretty small, like thin text. Mm-hmm. And so when you just slap it in the corner of a live stream, like at these games, uh, a lot of the games, it's the summertime, so it starts during the daytime and then transitions to night. Mm-hmm. So if they used the full color logo, it showed up really well when it was on like a bright background mm-hmm. showing like the outfield or different things like that. But as it would transition to night and you know, they're, they're live streaming this event. They had good equipment, but I mean, it's not like it was a professional stadium. That's like totally really well lit. So when they would show shots of like the outfield and stuff, it would be pretty dark and you couldn't really see that full Mm -hmm. color logo effectively. But if they used the pure white logo, then during the bright times, you couldn't see it at all. And when it was against the, the darkness, it worked really well. So, um, it was kind of a back and forth to figure out like, what can we do? Mm -hmm. Like, what do our standards allow us to do? Mm -hmm. What, kind of compromises and rules and like our standards say like you can't just put the logo in like a box a black of box color or something, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that if it was like you know a, a bar or like the total right screen was a certain color you could do that but there's like all these mm. specific things so i hear what you're saying For about sure. that and i'm also just defending the other side of like no no i totally get it that's <laughs> even like let's say what you mean when i was editing like a promo video for one of my classes it's like at certain points it didn't really come through and it's just it's such a hassle to kind of all right do i change it halfway through the video and edit it so it is more visible that's noticeable that's tacky people are gonna you know stupid (laughs) (laughs) sorry jake how are you dad i'm good i it's that i find that really interesting there's so much more nuance to logos than i would have ever thought but it's actually really fascinating yeah well that's why we're here to market your uh new party (laughs) My new, my institutionalist oh, yeah. party or the party of Truman? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> I feel like the word institutionalist is sexy regardless of what you guys say, <laughs> you jerks. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. It's a little rigid. We have a we have a lot of uh, we've the the group chat between the three of us has really exploded over the last couple of weeks as all of us at different times tried to belay our ever present anxiety about this election. Yeah. Um by kind of throwing it into the echo chamber i don't i wouldn't call it an echo chamber but just throwing it into the void that is uh facebook messenger and hoping to get some sort of like a a good rational back and forth uh you know shot back at me i mean there's so much of like i need you guys to talk me off the edge or i need you guys to validate my feelings that's usually (laughs) what the the conversation is Mm -hmm. i'm remembering a blazers chat a couple seasons ago I think probably with my brothers yeah. and you and Jeff's angry response, CJ, stop trying to fight my emotions with logic. <laughs> That's And then we bring that up all the time because mm-hmm. I just get emotional. Not that you don't, especially with politics. We all yeah. do. I know. We, we all, 
it goes back to, I mean, it's like the food thing. It's the stories that we're telling ourselves. It's, yeah. it's what are we looking at and what is it making us think or believe? And how do you, how do you present that to somebody who can, like you said, either uh, validate a position right. or can, can talk you down or calm mm-hmm. you down? Uh, CJ's brother had such a great point about, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I don't care. Screw you, Micah. Um, <laughs> but I, I was telling, I was telling this guy at work this, but he was like, you know, like, what if you just came at the approach of like Donald Trump of like, I'm not voting for him. You know, I'm voting for Biden, right? Everybody knows that. But what if you just started going and what if Trump supporters don't know that? They're like, who are you voting for? I'm voting for Biden. Why? Because Trump didn't finish the wall. Like if that's what you, you just hung your hat on just those promises mm-hmm. that he made. Or, I mean, Micah said like Hillary's uh, not in prison. Hill, Hillary's not in prison yet. What's going on? <laughs> he, maybe he can't get it done. You know what I mean? And just hanging those arguments on uh, that. Because what are they really going to say? Mm-hmm. Well, he's still working on it. I mean, dude, it's been four years. You can't build the wall yet. He's still letting Mexicans come in here. I'm not about that. <laughs> Obama kind of took that track uh, uh, in Pennsylvania the other day. Dude, Did he? O- Obama's been he, partying hard in Pennsylvania right now. He dropped right some now. fire because he was like, the, uh, the opposing party has had 10 years to develop a health care plan that's an alternative to what we accomplished. They've had 10 years. We have yet to see the plan. Anything. They have no plan. That's that's like essentially what he said. Awesome. As you hit the table. No, I, the the table hits are a signature of say <laughs> what you is, mean. It is. Because we get very passionate. Dun. It's like it's an exclamation mark at yes, the end of the point. Very passionate. So the other thing, I was thinking about that actually com- coming in today. Yeah. Um, I think what that brings up is a fundamental I don't want to say misunderstanding, but maybe lack of understanding Uh by many of us about what the executive branch of government actually can or can't do and how those branches work together. Uh, One of the things that has been getting me triggered over the last couple of weeks is all of the conversation about we need to change how the Senate's constructed because these States with hardly any population get two senators, and it screws over the really populous states that have mm-hmm. two oh, yeah. senators. Mm-hmm. I we, hear that we need all to the think about too. term limits. We need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, right. You know why are Supreme Court appointments for life when the president only gets up to eight years, and like all of these things? And I think people are so as dumb. as a as a group sitting around this table here, like we've all spent time looking at some of those things yeah. and looking at it from a historical perspective not only how it was put together originally, but how it has functioned over time. And one of the things that I take away from that is, yeah, it's messy. And yeah, individual politicians may not be able to get everything accomplished that they say they're going to do or that they want to do. But ultimately, I think that's a good thing. That keeps us from having these dramatic swings in our government where we go from one extreme to another mm-hmm. or being able to go down a path really, really quickly. Um, you know, I think there's a term called checks and balances that sort of wraps that all up and puts a nice bow mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And so my, my point with that is I sent you guys a link to a, a video that I saw that basically, the, I think the title of the video was Joe Biden isn't coming for your guns. Um, 
And it was kind of satirical because it says, like, Joe Biden can't come for your guns because Obama already came for them in 28 and 2012. So, <laughs> you, you know, ba- basically, aren't your guns already gone and, and right. X, Y, and Z? But I think fundamentally That's at the core really of funny. that is no president can change a constitutional <laughs> amendment on their own. It right. requires multiple branches of the government. It probably requires all three branches of the government to get involved. Yeah, exactly. And that's designed intentionally yeah. to keep us from being able to have a powerful leader or one party push things too far in a, in a single direction. We see, you know, we see an exploitation of norms or an, a completely ignoring norms and traditions from this president, and that's scary. We see an overuse of executive orders, which do make things happen, but for people to want to change this or that regarding Senate or or justices, the, you know, each branch, and they all want these dramatic changes, the reason things don't change so dramatically, the reason you're, you still have your guns is because of those checks and balances. Unfortunately, right now we have a president who doesn't care about those norms that have kind of kept that branch in check, but the others are designed to keep him in check to a, to a place where they can't just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I think the other part with that, too, is just this idea that once I check the voting box and I've sent an executive to the White House Mm -hmm. and I've sent representatives to Congress, my work is done. Like they're just going to they're just going to do and give me everything I want. And I I think being involved as a a citizen is Mm -hmm. so much more than that. It requires you to. Yeah, voting is really important and critical and it's a significant step that we all have the opportunity to take but there's things that happen every day that that we do um the the causes that we get involved with on a grassroots level the things we do in our local community Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of stuff that if we and this is maybe me walking back towards the right in some ways but yeah if we as individuals took care of it we wouldn't have to have a government that made laws to make sure that those things got taken care of you know if we if we all drove safely, there wouldn't have to be speed limits. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And I think there's other reasons for that too. But I just, my, my point is like, I think there's a lot of, of conversation from particularly people on the right about freedom and about personal choice and responsibility. And I, I think that's true. What I think doesn't always happen on either side is we don't actually follow through on the promise we make of you give us the personal choice and we'll make the right choices. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Well, and I, to add to this and talking about the, the destruction of norms, mm-hmm. the expansion of executive power that you guys have both brought up and I think are excellent points to build off of both of those. I would, I would say that um, there's, we need to detether this, the almost like in our, in the like aggregate political consciousness of the United States, there's like this real, tendency and i think it's easy to do is to make the terms republican and conservative and liberal and democrat synonymous Mm -hmm. oh and i think we need to untether that because there is nothing conservative about the modern republican party Mm -hmm. i mean we're talking about a republican party whose calling card for most of the 20th century and even into the early parts of the the first decade of the 21st century was to limit executive power and you've seen expansions of it under under bush and now you've seen it just it gone completely off the rails um, with President Trump. And there's nothing classically conservative as a disp- as even as a disposition or as a right. quote political ideology about expanding executive authority to accomplish political ends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And because a, a traditional conservative would be talking about the things that CJ brought up, which is concerns about going down a path super rapidly without regard for any sort of long-term ramifications. Long-term mm-hmm. conservatives are generally are concerned about long-term stability in a government, being able to play the game for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And right now, this administration is just is flooding all of those typical political dispositions that a conservative would generally have in the United States. So I I, I feel like if people call themselves conservative by default because they find they say themselves Republican. But as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, that can't, I don't think that empirically that is, that's just not true in any, in, in most ways. I think it's increasingly become social conservative. It's, mm. I believe in yeah. the traditional construction of a family. I believe in, uh, America being a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. I believe in, uh, Whatever all those other things are, I I don't want <laughs> right. I don't want to look too many things there. But we all yeah. we all know when you hear yeah. like socially conservative, yeah. what that means the the expectation or what state was it? I think it was Lindsey Graham was saying, um, I think it was him that black people should feel comfortable to go anywhere in the state as long as they're conservative. Right. So basically yeah, saying like if you that. if you adhere to this ideology if you look and behave a specific way mm-hmm. um that's what it means basically Gross. saying like conservative is what America America is <laughs> right I I have that conversation with people but I I think it's really really hard and or extremely dangerous to try and legislate morality Yeah oh gosh um, Well what do you mean so I think about particularly issues with like... Yeah, it was grim. Okay, yeah, yeah. like same-sex marriage or right, things like right, right. that. Um, so in 06, when I was doing my internship with the Washington State Senate, one of the, the biggest piece of legislation, I mentioned this before, that, that was passed during yeah. that time was a law that essentially granted um, rights to same-sex couples um, in terms of if they wanted to like rent an apartment or something, they could be considered like a couple. Right, right. The the other big piece is like in a healthcare setting, if you're in a same sex marriage mm-hmm. and your spouse is in the ICU or in a situation where there's mm-hmm. like final life decisions being made or like the restriction is being made to only immediate family, prior to that, a same sex spouse would have been excluded. And so there was a lot of conversation that right. we went into about that. And I mean, at that time, I was trying to, in my mind, advocate for why I thought that th- those kinds of laws were okay. Why right. it was okay to be right. ex- exclusionary and why marriage needed to be defined as a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think where I have come since that time especially mm-hmm. is to recognize that fundamentally every reason and rationale that I come up mm-hmm. with for that is based on my faith-based religious mm-hmm. background that has to do with my relationship with God right. and um, my understanding of those kinds of things. And so uh, just a basic level, I think about separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. And w- where I've landed with marriage is if I go to the courthouse and I get a marriage license and two men or two women can go, and if we get to some point where it's like six people can go to the courthouse <laughs> right. and get a document that means the same thing mm-hmm. as the document that my wife and I have. That doesn't have anything to do with the vow that we make with each other right. and mm-hmm. with God. Right. 
And if six other people want to get together and they are choosing to have a relationship where they're saying we're making a vow with God, that's between those people and God. It's none of my business in either case. Right. Um, So that's my kind of personal path on some of that. But I, I just think a lot of those kinds of issues are tend to like boil down to, well, this is what I believe as a Christian. We're a Christian nation, so right. this should be the law of the land. But on the flip side, what you're saying is like just navigating through uh, your own views and ideas of an, a, a topic based on stemming from your moral stance, right? But in the complete opposite moral stance, there are people who think that it is morally right or wrong for uh, for decisions on based on other things and, yeah. and people know what I'm what I could be referring to or not referring to but there are there are those who think that it is morally okay to do a b or c and you and you and I might or anyone might disagree that based on let's say faith that that's not okay because of a b or c so there on the flip side you're talking about making legislation based on morals founded on let's say a religious place but then you have like the secular population who have morals not based on a religious place but those people also might advocate for laws based on their morals so i think you have a point when you're saying like not basing legislation on morals but isn't it kind of always yeah that's the part i struggle with too is i think that you know ultimately and ultimately, we each have a voice in, in that participation. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I vote on a on a ballot measure or something like that, should I be voting for this is a representation of what I personally believe? Right. Should I be rep- voting on this is what I believe is best for our community? Mm-hmm. Or should I be voting on, like, this is what preserves freedom? And I think that's where oh, some of the issues... that's interesting. Where some of the issues get really specific or tricky is because... Sometimes the lens through which you're looking at it is something where you have a clear stance or view, mm-hmm. um, but but from a legal perspective, it establishes a precedent that could then be used. We we talked about that with executive orders, like mm-hmm. oh, if they're going to use an executive order to build a wall, then I'm going to use an executive order to seize all your guns when I'm elected. Like, right. It's it's understanding that that's how government works. We set precedents for how things are done. And then there can be unintended consequences down the road because that same rationale or logic can right. be used for something else. So I think, and I, that's a lot for somebody that's flipping open their voter's guide. Or Nobody's thinking like that. To, <laughs> to, have, to have thought about. Well, right. there, are, there are three people. They're all sitting right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least. But uh, yeah, I, it's that's... Oof. Jeff, that's a fascinating question, <laughs> a quandary about about uh, moral, sub, you know, subjective morals yeah. um, in terms of how you make your political decisions. God, that's deep. Um, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I we mean, we talked a uh, lot about it in our Jer- morals class. Really? Yeah. Jeremy Bentham. That's how I just. <laughs> how I. Here we go. go. Utilitarianism is how I go about deciding my uh, mm-hmm. my and and I think in a way we all kind of make those political calculations, right? Yeah. Like at what. To what extent am I going to allow my personal views to influence this decision? How much is like for the greater, like how much is my understanding of the greater good going to influence this particular, um, this my particular choice? Right. And but obviously, with the understanding that the for the greater good is a very subjective thing. Right. So for me, like in my political calcul, in my own political calculations, which is delving deep into my brain, which is a bunch of smoke and funhouse mirrors, the. Uh, <laughs> 
in in anxiety <laughs> yeah in anxiety riddled uh, synapses the I, I kind of i don't know i i fall back on to what does what does it do for precedent like what does this do for long term like what does this do for long term stability and um is it with yeah, mostly my, my question is, is, is law, like, what does it do for um, the average individual? Does it expand, does it expand freedom in, in liberty mm-hmm. to, to more people? And how, and what is it, it's, what is it, its long-term effects on, on stability? Like, is it like I-1639, I thought was, for example, yeah. uh, started, started um, the right conversation in certain areas, but I thought that overall mm-hmm. it, went too far too it went too far too fast or right. too far unnecessarily mm-hmm. uh without a without really good implementation um and so that's why i voted against it mm-hmm. even though i thought that the, the premise of the bill right. was fine so like that was like a, a real tough political calculation for me to, to to make right and um i don't know so with that let me ask you something mm-hmm. it passed yeah so it's a lot of the land now but what are the ramifications your fears have they have they equaled out to what maybe you did fear it's only it's only been it's only been a couple years and um it so far has i mean no not not i can't say that it's it's directly well, were you concerned about precedent more than than what, I would mean I was concerned do. about precedent so that's right. not going to be something that we're going to See, to know right. right away uh in terms of its effect on my everyday life it's had almost zero right um other than a general annoyance about people Washingtonians coming to Oregon asking an Oregon gun shop about their state's gun laws right other than that it hasn't affected my day-to-day life but so that's one thing I was thinking about was like so you, you know, everybody, so right, I-1639 mm-hmm. is a great example, but I was thinking like gay marriage, like those who have a moral stance against like legalizing gay marriage nationally, like this is going to be the worst thing. It's going to ruin the nation. It's going to whatever. And then it, it passes. We've had it for oh, almost a de- over a decade. Has it been that long? And look where we're at today, Jeff. Everybody's locked <laughs> in their homes with masks on. <laughs> the economy's right. in the toilet. Yep. Caravans. <laughs> Of rapists are at the border. <laughs> okay, that's exactly with the wall the that hasn't been finished. Where I was going, <laughs> but yeah, people definitely couldn't do make that argument. I'm sure. Now, are they pointing directly to gay marriage being legalized? Who knows? But I'm totally, totally yes. tongue ripping out of cheek. <laughs> yeah. But that's my point. It's like Jake's fear of 1639, not fear, but precedent. You know, mm-hmm. concern for precedent. That's fine. But like you said, everybody's like they're going to come and take our guns. The police are going to come in and take our guns, or we're going to be charged for guns being used or whatever and even the lies that were spread mm-hmm. people started believing even the lies that people spread about gay marriage people were believing but then after it's passed it's like it's almost like a dud firework like choo, like well, i oh. think i used what was that thing about uh i called it a, a wet poppet that didn't go off about um, oh perfect <laughs> yeah it, it's yeah i i guess but i mean we'd have to we'd, we'd have to get in the weeds of i-1639 yeah, but it's, it's far more nuanced it's far more nuanced than For me sure. just like worried about precedent generally right um you know the the anytime you pass a law so here's like one of my biggest issues with a lot of social movements is that when it comes to when rubber meets the road and actually like implement because 
the way society works and the way a government works is like you can have all of these goals, right? The Black Lives Matter movement has all of these goals. Any other social movement has a ton of different goals that they want, whether mm-hmm. it's a conservative movement or a liberal movement, whatever. The but when the like eventually those goals have to be defined and put on paper to be made into legislation. You can't just right. you can't just say things into existence and then have them become law. Like they have to be written down. And it has to go through a legal process, right? And and it has to be written down and codified and passed. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest issues with 1639 was like once they started to define what um, certain firearms were and how those firearms were going to be regulated, and then I saw a lot of miss like a lot of really broad definitions being put into that legislation that then could lead to further restrictions of certain firearms past what i'm comfortable with that's where my issues with precedent Mm -hmm. came into now do most people look at it that way no it was mostly like oh they're going to come arrest me because someone's broke into my house and stole my gun like that's not like but that i don't know that was where my decision making for sure goes um so with the moral thing that i was thinking was um uh, you were talking about utilitarianism, which is which is a way that, you know, for the greater good. And, and that's how like some people might process. But what I learned through the ethics course is like each ethical theory can be applied. To, you can ar- use every single ethical theory to define or or argue the application of something. Mm-hmm. So you're using utilitarianism. But but say the law is I don't know. Th- Something silly, right? Like, like, like something about healthcare, right? So you're perfectly, you're feeling fine, you're healthy, you're ready, you know, you're mm-hmm. just awesome. So you're voting for the greater good, but in some way, this may inhibit or provide an opportunity for someone. So then it's more they're voting specifically for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at different moral approaches to voting, sure, um, and maybe different ways that people can look at it. That's something I was thinking about too. Is is how often do we effectively define the greater good? Yeah. Especially when the greater good might be defined as my personal taxes go up and I get no extra benefit Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like uh, when I was working on the campaign, I worked on um, in another County in Washington. Mm -hmm. One of the things they talked about is a really quick snapshot you can get of the age population of a County is to look at school levies if school levies are passing, mm-hmm. generally it's a younger population. If school levies are failing, it's generally an mm. older, more retired population. Because by and large, I'm not saying that this is true of everybody. Right. But you get to that point and you're not getting any benefit from the school levy. So other than that, your taxes oh. go up. So unless you have really progressive people who say education is so important and I'm going to invest in the next generation, that's, that's, a, that's a quick litmus mm. test. So wow. I'm, I'm just thinking of, of some of that of like, uh, my brother was sharing Mark Cuban has mm-hmm. come out and said he's voting for Biden. And he mm-hmm. says, I know my taxes are going to go up for that. He right. says, my taxes going up might be something that's good for our society. Right. There was a study that was done about Obama's success in 2008. And they measured like some of the suburb affluent counties that swung to Obama for like the first time in mm-hmm. a while. And one of the findings they had is a lot of the people there felt like they were being scapegoated for all these things that were wrong. And oh. rather than saying, I'm going to, I'm going to take the freedom that I have and I'm going to personally invest in addressing right. these issues and fixing them. I'm going to vote for the guy who's going to do that for me. And he's just going to charge me some extra money to do it. And, and so I think 
that's again just uh, like delving into what calculus different people might use right, to right. make those mm-hmm. decisions. Well, that's actually a good point because I mean I think there's even um, I think there's economic there's economic theories that would point to back to back up Cuban's uh, argument. Like okay, other than just saying you know I'm I'm a rich guy I'm fine with paying more taxes because it's for the betterment of society. I'm like it's an altru it's 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 calling on someone's altruistic you know sense of themselves. Right. But you could also say, like, if you're making, if you're a business owner and you're making a calculation and you're saying, well, I can only sell products if the people who are buying my products have money. And by me paying higher taxes, yeah. increasing the, the general education, increasing the general wealth of the population around me, then allows them to buy more of my products. Me paying marginally more in taxes now over the long run is actually going to increase mm. my profits long term. So, so, so I'm just, so I'm just <laughs> saying like there's, there's, you can, you don't have to rely necessarily on the altruism of somebody in someone's, uh, someone's, someone's window dressing or someone's you know idea of morality you can make this a very you, you could even make it as a simple self-interest um right uh self-interest style because uh what adam smith isn't necessarily against taxes i mm-hmm. mean that's one of the thing that's one of the biggest misconceptions about adam smith is that he was against all government intrusion regardless in full stop it's it's more about it's more about calculations of of, of people's self-interests mm-hmm. and i think that you can look at you can look at that and make arguments for or against tax for or against taxation right anyway sorry so the greater good and self-interest don't have to be mutually exclusive right mm-hmm. well you know and like i think i've talked about this recently like under the tax plan of donald trump he changed the minimum for a health care write-off and as you all know and listeners know jen's medical history this last year but like before donald trump implemented that plan that we spent a lot of money out of pocket for her medical expenses surgeries and everything and we were like all right at least on the back end with taxes we'll be all right but he changed the minimum so we got nothing back where the previous minimum we would have got a ton back and so looking at that like people talk about like their tax return or their tax, you know, every we t- I think we think we did talk about this, you know, Mike Pence talking about the average that they were getting back mm-hmm. overall throughout the year and not just as their safety um, return. Not And maybe we were looking at it more yeah. as a safety return in the long term of like, holy crap, this is costing us a lot of money as far as medical expenses. But that's in one example of like self-interest of like. You know, people people are thinking about their taxes return, but like, what if what if another person heard my story about the medical health and crises that we had gone through over the last few years, and how, I mean, not it's not that it's the government's role to benefit us, mm-hmm. but like, you know, there are those things there to to kind of help people out sometimes, and and I I don't know I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just thinking about self interest and like how different people have different scenarios, and a lot of time I'm just like like we were talking about with the school levies, like. I, I know that I'm paying in taxes. I'm not paying property tax right now, but I know that like sometimes like if I see something that's going to benefit the greater good, greater good in my definition, I'm very mm-hmm. like thinking about like kids and education. Is more money going to go to the schools? I mean, now we, that can get us down a whole road of where that money actually goes. But I always think like, I mean, yeah, come on. Like, let's just help those kids out. But yeah, you bring up a whole bunch of good points. Just real quick. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. more money doesn't always fix the problem. The right. problem could be something that that doesn't need money to fix. Right. Um, 
I was also thinking, so part of the COVID response that the federal government has done, Mm -hmm. um, just thinking about what you were just talking about, um, and I'll be honest that I don't know everything about it, but one of the changes that was made is that I think companies were able to um, not withhold some of the federal payroll taxes that would typically be held for employees. Right. So it basically gave an opportunity for everybody's paycheck to go up this year. Yeah. Um, and the flip side to that is that wasn't just you get this money back. Mm-hmm. It's it's now going to be part of your t- basically your tax return for the next year. Right, so, right. Um, at our company, they sent out a memo to everybody and they said, our finance people looked at this and we are choosing not to participate in this program. We're going to continue to keep your withholdings the same. Oh, Because wow. what happens, I have a friend that works in um, another state mm-hmm. in, the, in the healthcare industry, but she's really upset about this because their company did the opposite and didn't give anybody a choice. So they basically said, we're going to pay you more each month. Mm. And what she's knowing in her mind is now I see that money in my check, but I have to be personally responsible yes. because now yes. when it's tax time, I'm probably going to owe money or I'm going to owe more money than I thought That's I would. That's the worst. And so like, it's not that one way is right or wrong, but it's just like, the the things that are happening often it's i think i've talked about this before but mm-hmm. one of the things when i did my internship with the state legislature that i really came away with is the people that are involved in that work are really really smart and one of the things that mm-hmm. they do is they're not just looking at what is this law or this piece of legislation do right now but what does it do two steps down the road right or what are the two steps back that inform how this law is being created? And that's what I hear Jake saying about yeah. um, 1690? 1639. 1639. Um, is, is thinking about like, where is it coming from? What are, the, what are the clear definitions that are being put in place here or how are they not clear? And then what does that mean or what could that look like down the road? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, that's really good points to bring up. There's I a debate tonight. <laughs> Oh there. gosh! Not to just I, turn I a know. corner, but I'm looking at the clock. And yeah, I know. Is Jake. it uh, it's Biden and Trump? Yeah, yeah. it's tonight. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the only. It's gonna be the last one. You think so? Well, Are you they've, think so? Ar- they've already announced. They've already that. Agreed oh, to that. Yeah. the big theme too, or the big the big story is um, Giuliani. No. <laughs> I think if how big. Don't... I don't think. I think how big that story is is debatable. <laughs> But I just want a quick quick poll around the table. Yeah. Raise your hand if at any point in your life you have ever laid flat on your back on a bed to tuck in your shirt. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, that's what Trump said. He tweeted that and then deleted it, but people have the screenshots. So he said... Um, You're not talking about Giuliani, are you? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's no... It's, it's, you guys no, saw... So we no, should never, recap the story never, for the never, listeners. Never have. Uh, so... Uh, apparently, some footage has been released from Borat 2, mm-hmm. um, and the it sounds like the arc of that movie is that Borat is sent back to the United States by Kazakhstan to infiltrate the U.S. government with misinformation, um, and so that's kind of the, <laughs> the premise of what they're pursuing to do. What has come out is that, um, I think if I remember right, too, the bribe that he's supposed to bring was it's like his a daughter. No, first it was like oh. a goat or a pig. Uh-huh. And then that gets like killed or lost or something. And so then it becomes his daughter. <laughs> so 
the scene that everybody is talking about is apparently the daughter is contacting Giuliani as though she's a journalist. A right-wing journalist. To do an interview. Yeah. So he's participating in this interview, and they end up back in her hotel room, which is all rigged up with cameras. Um, and the screen grab that I have seen that apparently correlates with the video uh-huh. is Giuliani laying down flat on his back on this bed with his hand in his pants oh, <laughs> looking at this word. girl. And so the the story or defense that's been shared about that is that he was taking off his microphone and then he laid down on the bed to tuck in his shirt and Trump tweeted that. Yeah. I mean, he's got to say something, right? (laughs) Dude, the best part of that I read was that Borat breaks in, Mm -hmm. busts into the room and says, no, 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 she's too old for you. She's 15. She's too old for you. Dude, Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius. Okay, well, the fact that Rudy Giuliani, who is the personal lawyer of the president, um, I'm sure has access to all sorts of classified information, was able to be duped by Sasha Baron Cohen. You don't tell me that the Russians haven't taken advantage of that, dude. I think, too, I mean, another defense that, that comes up with this is like, of course he knew this was fake. He's in on the joke the whole time. Yeah. Like, it's just to help, you know, like, be part of this movie. But if you're part of supporting the executive branch of government, if you are somebody of Giuliani's stature with, like you're saying, the security clearances and things that he has, that's we don't see Secret Service agents participating in something like this. Yeah. There's a reason for that. That's because at some point when you accept the responsibilities that come with this high level of office or supporting right. this part of the government, you say no to opportunities like that. So if it was truly like, hey, we're going to come no to you way. on the sly and we want you to do this cameo in Borat 2. There's no way. No. Do X, Y, and Z. I mean, I, there's, there's no there's, way. There, even even if that, okay, just assuming that's true for conversation's yeah. sake, yeah, as, as CJ's pointing yeah. out, there's no good way to spin yeah, what happened. Yeah, that's wildly inappropriate. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Anyway, Sasha Baron Cohen gets all these people. He gets everybody. He got freaking Bernie Sanders on Who Is America when he did that show. And he didn't, like, dupe him in, like, Bernie. He didn't get Bernie caught doing some, like, the representative from, was it Mississippi, was uh, yelling the N-word mm-hmm. and, like, chasing Borat around with his bare butt. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't, he literally just was trying to explain how he, to Bernie, how you make the 99% or the 99.9% into the 0.01% and how he just, like, he just moved the nines over and then everybody's in the 100%. And Bernie's like, What? Like it, it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? But he's so good at getting these people. He gets a uh, uh, Cheney to sign a freaking waterboarding kit. He autographs it. <laughs> I didn't know about <laughs> he's that. He's a That's genius, funny. dude. Um. Anyway, so the debate. You guys stoked? You guys thrilled? I'm nervous. Why? It was interesting on the way over here. I was listening to um an NPR podcast. They do like a daily update podcast, which I have another story from that, that if we have time, but Mm -hmm. they had a soundbite from, from Trump. And so the big thing about this debate is that during each candidate's two minute opening statement, the other's mic is going to be muted. Mm -hmm. So Trump is obviously saying like, that's a, a, Totally unacceptable, and Dude, you know, I like, want Trump to interrupt as much as possible. To. He's going to. But the other thing he said is, "I'm really upset that we're not talking about any foreign policy in this debate." So, which I think is interesting because, from what you've said, Jake, it sounds like that's where Biden is strong, and where. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that by okay, so I was actually it's funny you bring that up. I was thinking about this this morning because there was a lot of um, there's a lot of right wing 
uh, publications that are picking up that narrative from Trump. Like, why isn't the why haven't they been talking about foreign policy? And I think that's a very concerted effort by the Biden administration. It's obviously purposeful, and it's because. America right now does not give a shit about foreign policy and there's no point in talking about it. Yeah. Biden wants to stay on message. Coronavirus, 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 Trump failures with coronavirus. Like that's where he wants, that's where, that's where there he's winning. Yeah. And that's the message he wants to continue to harp on. He doesn't want to get in, getting into the weeds and foreign policy, which the average, like even above average Americans don't care about right now because the entire world has gone semi-isolationist trying to deal with this pandemic. Right. Dude, it's it's a it's it's going to fall on deaf ears mm-hmm. and it's going to get the message away from what has been a winning message for Biden. So Biden is all but happy to not talk about foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Of course, what I mean, what are you going to talk about Trump with foreign policy for anyway? Yeah. Like what are like what are you going to Biden's going to talk about like rebuilding international institutions, the importance of all this kind of stuff, and then Trump is like, well, no, like they're taking all of our money. China. It's yeah. it's, it's it's he's going to continue to lie, and then Biden's going to have to who's a pol- like is a you know he's a international relations policy wonk. Mm-hmm. It's going. I mean, it's it. It would just it would come across as flat for Biden, and mm-hmm. there's no point in Biden having that conversation. Right. So I'm. I mean, as a Democratic strategist, I understand why they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. As much as I would love to see it, because I would be. I mean, me as a person watching it would be like, you know, I'd be able to to pick it apart and understand right, it. Right. But the average American's not going to care, nor are they going to do that. Yeah. So I understand why Biden isn't self interest. So. When we were sitting down, Jake, you mentioned you were looking at swing states. Yeah, Let's, all the time. So talk a little bit about what things look like now and what kinds of themes or conversations during the debate might be directed specifically at trying to sway mm. those states and the and the populations mm-hmm. that are, are going to be evaluating mm-hmm. these two candidates. Yeah, so uh, great question. The Pennsylvania is the key swing state in this election the way pennsylvania goes uh the presidency goes and the if you notice biden has been in uh kamala harris too have both had very very public uh endorsements of fracking Mm -hmm. and that is on purpose because there is a very specific region in pennsylvania that i think will have a major determining factor on how this election Mm -hmm. goes and it is a very it is a historically um pro it's been a historically democratic region but it's a region that both bush and then um both bush and uh trump made inroads into in both in 2004 and then in 2016 Mm -hmm. the reason being is that they're a high fracking high coal output area of it's it's the western it's the western region of pennsylvania and biden is trying to re trying to reestablish the democratic stronghold there a a stronghold that al gore won every single county in in 2000 wow. in 2000 so trying to reestablish this that establish that as a democratic as a light as a strong democratic area is is really really important so i would anticipate any sort of topic on energy mm-hmm. to focus on um bringing back jobs in the energy sector and i would imagine both biden and trump 
trying to say similar things well well trump trying to tell trying to paint biden as as a green as, new a, deal. as a green new deal kind of person right. so that's that's where i would expect the debate to go especially with trying to narrow down pennsylvania and it doesn't look good for 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 trump because he's campaigning in erie pennsylvania currently mm-hmm. that's a place that he won in a landslide so if he's spending a day in the last two weeks of the election trying to reaffirm a trump stronghold that doesn't bode well for him in the state. Right. Uh, yeah, I saw an article that was talking about him spending a lot of time in places that should be strongly his. I mean, he spent some time in Georgia recently, too, which historically has been a fairly red state. Um, which is opposite of, sorry to interrupt, but that's opposite of 2016 because everybody, I remember hammering on him. They're like, what are you doing? You're two weeks off from the election. This was in 2016. What are you doing in Michigan? You're not going to win Michigan. Well, f- Son of a bitch, he won Michigan. Yeah. yeah. And this is completely opposite. Instead of being on the attack, he's now def- now he's defending, whereas mm-hmm. Biden is in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Biden is not in Wisconsin right now. Biden is in Georgia trying yeah. to steal states that are traditionally Republican. The other thing... That's I, something that gives me a little bit yeah. of hope. I appreciate you bringing up fracking. One of the things that I took away from the town halls, I mm. really appreciated how Biden handled the question about fracking. It it wasn't quite as, I mean, it's because Biden is Biden, and I relate to this because I'm somebody that loves a good tangent, too. Yeah. But I feel like he <laughs> didn't quite draw the, the point, but fundamentally what he was saying, and I, I hear you in the terms of job creation, because um, I heard him say, one, I want to be really clear, I'm not pushing the Green New Deal. Right. Don't paint me into that corner. That's not who I am. Yeah. And, and I think... We talked about this a little bit, but I love that I see him carving out a moderate middle of the road mm-hmm. position because mm-hmm. that's how you're going to win those undecided voters. And it's a calculus to say the people who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016 have now seen what Trump is. And so even if I'm not saying all aboard the Green New Deal train, I still present a better option right. than Donald Trump, and I'm not going to just have these people abstain from voting out of protest because their person didn't get through. But what I heard him saying is, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to get rid of fracking. I'm going to say we're going to continue to do it. What I am going to say is we're going to pursue a path that creates market conditions where there's more and more money and more profitable jobs that are available in those alternative sectors. Right. So yeah. then the people in Pennsylvania can say, you know, we're we're going to keep the thing that we've always done, but we're also going to have the opportunity to be part of a path forward. Potentially, I guess that could be viewed as we're going to create those great jobs by making wind farms in Kansas and then we're going to have no fracking in Pennsylvania and those jobs go away. So it's it's still a little bit of a delicate dance, but I it was one of the places where I was like this is what a more moderate Mm-hmm. plan looks like and sounds like and again going back to the whole idea of like the pace and speed of government is often slow and slogging and we know where we want to get to i appreciated that too because he said the green new deal calls for x goal and i can't remember what it was you know by 2030 and he's like i've been looking at this we can't get there like that is an right. unreachable goal so i'm not going to lie to you and say we're going to do this and then not do it i'm going right. to say we acknowledge that, yeah, we want to get to that goal, but we have to find a he different path. He is in path. so many ways a better candidate. I just, I hope that America bucks the trend of this rising nationalism, but it's really hard to unroot nationalist incumbents, guys yeah. that run on that message. I mean, it, Poland and Hungary have been, had, you know, are dealing with this. Uh, 
and you look at Boris Johnson. I mean, yeah. I mean how and in case in point, and how a, a insanely unlikable and even more unlikable nationally yeah. uh, person in his country than Trump is in the United States can still win re-election. Right. A lot of that has to do with the candidate he was going against. Um, Jeremy Corbyn was a is was a terribly unlikable candidate, and then Joe Biden is not unlike is not unlikable. No. Um, so. I don't know. I pencil. I just I keep watching Pennsylvania, and that was the case in 2016 as well, right? I mean, Pennsylvania was one of the most pivotal states. Yeah, and so for me, like Pennsylvania is so weird because it has you've got Philadelphia, and then the Philadelphia suburbs in the southeast, and those out the populations in that in that those two regions have outpaced. I mean, outpopul out the rest of the state by a ton right so as long as um voter voter uh turnout is incredibly high in the most of those areas it should be a biden win it should be a comfortable biden win and that's what most polls are showing the issue is is that the rest of the state outside of the pittsburgh area james carville who is a uh, democratic strategist basically said the areas between pittsburgh and philadelphia are is like alabama without african americans mm. i mean this is a very staunchly conservative rural farmland that voted in droves bush identified this in 2004 mm-hmm. and got 30,000 more votes than than any republican candidate had ever gone and trump built on that right so republican f- turnout and i think the as the polls are starting to show a tightening up in race it's not that people are switching from biden to trump mm-hmm. it's the fact that the trump the polls are are starting to um are starting to uh are starting to show the uh, are starting to pick up the the hidden Trump voters because right. there's so much early voting now mm-hmm. in that because there has been so much such an increase lately in uh, in voter in Republican voter registration that the polls are starting to account for that and that's why you're seeing slight slight drops in in um, in the overall lead. polls yeah and this notion that you can't that the national polls don't uh, I want to also try to dispel this myth that and this is a little off topic mm-hmm. dispel the myth that national polls and state polls are completely separate entities and you shouldn't like you shouldn't look at national polls to try to predict electoral college but in a lot of ways the key swing states drops in the net na- changes in the national poll are reflected almost identically in the major swing states so a one or two percent drop in the national polls for biden has equaled a one to two percent drop and and likewise with with trump's favorability ratings Mm -hmm. and trump has below favor like is pretty much mirrored at uh that has pretty much those states have pretty much mirrored trump's favorability ratings every time there's been drops since 2016 and his favorability ratings those have been reflected in the key battleground states Mm. and even in trump's favorability rating is below 10 is like 10 percent 10 percentage points different and that how as that's changed you've seen right now like trump's favorability ratings in in pennsylvania he's down four to five percent and he's down six to seven percent in the polls so to get what uh brookings i was looking at all these talking heads right and i think 538 is such a great is such a great resource to get just 
bare numbers, but I don't trust their interpretation of those numbers so mm -hmm. much, mostly because I'm still have PTSD from 2016. Yeah. So I turned to think tanks. I did what I did what academics usually do, and that's turn to think tanks. So I went to the Brookings Institute, who's always been a good I don't know why I haven't done this before, but I read this fantastic article. I'll send it to you guys in mm -hmm. the in the group message. But they basically said that in order, f because they're they're making the they were the ones that brought this point up to me, which is trusting the national polls to reflect changes at the state level, and they're saying that in order for Trump to be able to win the electoral college this way around, he's going to have to drop his current ten percent national polls down to about two percent, which is basically what he did in twenty sixteen, mm -hmm. and that just doesn't seem like it's possible at this at this moment, right? Because in the, in to back that up, there's this the only polling agency that is calling for a Trump win right now is Trafalgar, and they did call it in 2016. I I went back and looked at this, and for sure, like Real Clear Politics has like a whole list of like the state, um, the last state polls to come out just before 2016, mm -hmm. and and Trafalgar had Trump plus three in Wisconsin. Okay, well you can say, well Trafalgar had it right. Well, did they? They didn't really have it right. There was plus three. He only won it by 0.7. If you say that the national polls only had Clinton up two nationally, both Trafalgar was right in getting the candidate correct, mm -hmm. but they were still within the margin of error on both sides. So both sides got it wrong. Just which side of the margin of error did you fall on? So I wouldn't say Trafalgar's is necessarily right, and they're saying that they're predicting another Trump win. Mm -hmm. They just, it's just, it's predicting on what side of the margin of error you're going to fall on. But right now with 2016, and it doesn't, unless something dramatically changes, right now it doesn't seem like Biden is going to lose enough of that popular support to get down to the point where the margin of trying to guess the right side of the margin of error is going to come into play. Mm -hmm. Did, does the, I don't, I don't, did I make sense there? I yes. that was a lot of rambling. Yeah, no, okay. That was awesome. All right. Yeah. I, I think it's, just trying to wrap my head around, but I, I love what you just pointed out that um, looking at Trafalgar, like, yes, they got the outcome right, but if you look at it from that broader perspective and thinking of the margin of error, it's, I think about like sports betting, that's like, you know, picking winners or losers versus picking the point spread. Mm -hmm. um, you could pick the winner of the game, but they still might not cover that point spread. And yeah. so that's essentially what you're saying is like, the outcome that's a and, great analogy. and the margin are kind of two independent mm -hmm. things. And mm -hmm. so, um, now, I mean, ultimately what, what matters is the outcome and the number of electoral votes. And that's what's, you know, cause it's not like, Oh, if I exceeded a, a margin, you know, then it still counts as a win, but that's why point spreads exist. Cause it allows you to bet on a team that loses the game and still make money. Mm -hmm. And, um, but all right, we got to get out of here. We do have to get out of here. But I want to say this was a great conversation as far as like, kind of looking at the reasons why to vote and and I hope that you know we we have kind of the same listeners and I hope that we are having conversations that maybe get them to think or maybe even reflect on their own reasoning um, hopefully it's enough for them to share the show to say like hey like this is an interesting conversation about why we vote but also why I vote. Yeah, you know, and especially, personally. Yeah, special thanks to Jesse Osborne for sharing the. Uh, yeah, for thank sharing you, it. Jesse, you the man, mm -hmm. wicked dad, wicked dad. Real quick before we wrap up. Yeah, I came bearing gifts. Oh, for you careful! Guys. Headset, yank my headphones. headphones. <laughs> 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 um, Clangs of, of passion. Uh, yeah, twelve days. We have twelve days. So until the election. Yeah. So make sure days you, right now. Days feel like. 
Yes. Weeks. Do your research. Consider your own biases. And think about other people. There's also a 25-hour day. Yeah, what is that? You said that. What does that mean? Because the time change happens in a couple weeks. Oh, oh. God. Adding more fucking time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, a great way to wrap up encouraging okay. people to vote. Yeah. Making that statement. So, I brought you guys a gift. Uh, um, for your yard or your wall. Or, oh, my goodness. That's amazing. The Portland Trailblazers are doing a campaign to get everybody to vote or register. Yeah. Um, I happened to be going to work on a day when they were passing out these signs at the Rose Garden. Yeah, that's right, the Rose Garden. So thank I you, CJ. Uh, thank you, CJ. a couple extra for you guys. Shout out to Casey Hodall from the Blazers. He ha- personally uh, stuck the stuff in the back seat of my car for me. Oh, Touchless delivery. Casey, you the man. No, I love Casey. Yeah. The thank rips, you, rip CJ. city, rip city. Pop- oh, geez. I mean, the show wouldn't be the same without Jake <laughs> knocking crap over. That was totally me. <laughs> was it? Just ran my knee oh. into the leg of the table. Uh, Clang, clangs of passion. Yes, clangs of... I like that. That's the new <laughs> coin term. <laughs> uh, thank you, CJ. Yep. We'll have to take a picture with these. For sure. Uh, see you guys next week. See CJ, ya. Thank you. Bye. Um, watch the debate tonight. We'll talk before the vote. So, yeah, watch the debate tonight. Yeah. Um, next week, uh, f- want to do a full breakdown. Of the debate? Yeah. Or a breakdown of, I don't know, swing states? I mean, Who knows what's going <laughs> to yes, happen between course. now and yeah. then. I mean, I think everything is depending on what, what happens in the 48 come hours before what, we hit say, record. Yeah, come to say what you mean for your election primer next week. Yeah. I mean, every week so far. Every week, yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.